Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I am the senior pastor of Light Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer, and I bring you greetings from on high. I thank and praise God for another opportunity to come before you on his behalf as I come from uh, an assignment that God has given me, and I pray, <laughs> I pray that I can get through it. But we're going to talk today about the narcissist. We're going to talk about the narcissist. I've been saying for a while, God has given me some <coughs> information that he wants me to share with you all, because this is something that we have to deal with. We have to deal with it. We got to deal with it in the body of Christ. We got to deal with it in the family. We have got to deal with it. God is preparing us for greatness, and there is a lot of work to be done, and we have got to be reformers. We've got to reform the things that are not of God in the um institution of the family and the institution of the church. Uh, so I'm going to do my assignment. Uh, y'all, y'all just got to receive it. Amen. <laughs> All right. So, so let's talk about it. Um, we're going to talk about the narcissist and I'm going to help you all understand just a clear definition of what that means when we talk about that. Uh, when we say, uh, when we use that term and, and how everybody is somewhere on the spectrum, there's, there's somewhere on the spectrum, uh, of that, uh, being that we all have a tendency, uh, to be self, uh, uh, contained and have our own self interest. And it's a protection mechanism sometimes for many of us. So we're going to talk about the differences so that when we see those traits in people, we understand the difference between someone having a tendency, a trait uh, versus an actual disorder, a disorder that we need to seek God for deliverance, seek God for deliverance, seek additional uh, helps from uh, the helps industry, psychologists, uh, social workers, uh, uh, life coaches, uh, you know, mentors to help us in this area. Amen. So like I said, we're going to talk about it. And I pray that you all continue to pray for me as we continue to break down these barriers. I believe that God wants us to have an intellectual, a moral, uh, uh, and a spiritual perspective as he is taking us along this journey of uh, building this foundation, right? We are in the last days. If you did not know it, we are definitely in the last days. I was talking earlier today with my mother-in-law. She came and she spent the weekend with us. And uh, we just had a brief conversation around some of the things that we're seeing occurring in this world because men have become lovers of self, lovers of self. That is a key trait of a narcissist. Anyway, uh, we were having the conversation. So it, because we are in the end times, 
There is a responsibility that we have as the remnant within the remnant, those who God has called for in this hour to be representatives of the kingdom of God. We have a responsibility and part of that responsibility is literacy. We got to have knowledge, intellectual understanding, application of the information and knowledge that we receive. We have to have moral balance. What is God saying? How does he want us to react? How does it line up with our identity, which is who we are in Christ? We belong to him, y'all. We come from him. He created us in his image. And because of that, he wants us to walk <laughs> according to his image. Amen. We, we, um, well, I ain't going to go there. I had a couple of other thoughts that I was going to say. And he also wants us to get it spiritually. He wants us to get it spiritually. So we're going to pray. We are going to pray. We're going to seek God for deliverance for this demon that has had us bound for so long. Amen. All right. So let's get into our study. I pray that it is a blessing to each and every one of you. All right, praise the Lord. And if you go down my um, podcast, you're going to see that I've talked about this a couple of times before, uh, but it continues to come up because it is important that we get this stronghold uh, under control. We get it bound up. We got to bind it up. It's been keeping us bound uh, for all of these many, many years. And, and, and we got to deal with it. Amen. So Heavenly Father, we just thank and praise you for this time to come into your presence, to hear from you. Father God, I thank you that you are using me as an extension of your love to your people, that you are using me as a vessel to speak according to your will, your word, and your plan for each and every one of us. Father God, I pray that you will hide me, that they will see you and you alone. I pray, Lord God, that you will take full reign over this study, that you will lead us and guide us in directions that will take our lives to the next level, that we shall never be the same again. And Father God, for those who are struggling in this area, Father, I pray that this is the beginning, the beginning of breakthrough in their lives, that true deliverance shall come my God, that they shall be saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, and fire baptized. My God, that they will uh, be delivered and no longer bound by this hell-bound demon that has so encrept our lives, our families. My God is coming to the church. Uh, it's in our workplaces. It's everywhere. But Father God, we need to control this demon. We need to defeat this demon, destroy this demon. We render it null and void and of no impact and authority over our lives. Father God, help me to do what you have called me to do. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank God. Amen and amen. All right, so we're going to talk about this demon now. It shows up in many 
many, many <laughs> different forms. And, and, and we've seen it. We've seen it in uh, the church. We've seen it in the church, this hierarchical uh, structure that is not like God, that is ungodly, that we have created from our own mindsets. And, 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 and I'm going to break it down like this. You know, in the Caucasian church, you've got that superior mentality where people think that they are superior to another human set. Uh, and they, they, I mean, this thing has been as deep as slavery. I've been uh, listening to this book because I love my Audible. And one thing about me, I am, I'm hungry for knowledge now. I love to learn, but uh, I don't read as fast. <laughs> so I like to listen to my Audibles because I learn better that way. <laughs> and it takes me less time to get the information that I need so that I can begin to process it. Uh, my brain just works differently. But nonetheless, uh, I was listening to this book. It's called White Too Long, White Too Long. And it talks about how the American church, the American church, and when I say that, it, it includes Catholicism. It includes Church of God. It, it includes uh, um, uh, Catholic uh, church. I, I already said Catholicism. It includes the Baptist church. That's why my mind is trying to go. Uh, the Episcopal church, all of these different uh, sets and entities uh, are, are covered under this topic. And what they talk about is how the American church has been the conduit to slavery in the United States. So in other words, it was the, 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 uh, the source that fueled, uh, fueled and kept alive slavery in the United States. And it, it breaks down how in their minds, in their narcissistic, evil, demonic minds, they uh, labeled themselves as Christians. The one thing that rubs me a lot of times is people, when they say, yeah, they use that Bible. They use God's word to, uh, to justify uh, slavery. And that's a lie. That's a lie. The enemy said it one time, but he says it because he wants us to take it and run with it. And he wants to shift the narrative. But the reality is they did not use the word of God to uh, justify slavery because the word of God will never justify slavery. What they used was a manipulation of the word of God, a twisting of God's word. This is why Bible literacy is so important. Important. You got to get in there for yourself and read the word. And so where we see the catastrophic uh, impact that slavery had to uh, one community, meaning the African-American community, uh, <clears throat> we also see the end, I mean, to the, to the community and the way that it, it impacted their lives. Lives were taken. Uh, souls were snatched and stolen. Uh, uh, you know, people were sacrificed as a result of the evil that was going on in that time. 
And in my mind, I believe that there were those who left this earth prematurely before they were able to reconcile themselves to Christ. And in this, in the same way that it impacted uh, uh, African-Americans, it did the other cultures as well. Those who were drivers of this evil in the earth. A lot of them, their families think they made it to heaven. They are on their way to hell. Let me be clear. They are on their way to hell. And the enemy tries to manipulate us. He tries to manipulate us in such a way that we think that our actions are okay. That it's all right for us to do these things. And you <laughs> you find that many of them on their deathbed, they thought they were going to heaven. But on the day of reckoning, the day of judgment, they are going to find that their destiny will not be in heaven. I, I guarantee you that. <laughs> so many of them, as I'm listening to this book, many of them believe that because of the uh, mark that God put on Cain when he killed Abel, because of the mark that was placed on him, that is the identifier of the curse that God put on him. And thus, that that mark, uh, so for whatever reason, became how man became dark, went from being white to dark because of that mark. And can you hear how idiotic that sounds? Even uh, still, with that philosophy, it is not theological and it is not the Word of God. Because if you even look in the Word of God, even though God put a mark on him, he, you know what he said? He said, if anybody touch you, <laughs> he said, what they do to you, I'm going to do to them. Better not nobody mess with you. And that's Dawn's word. You better go look it up for yourself. But see, if these people in their narcissistic state, in their sense of grandiose, uh, 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 what's the word? Oh, Lord, I done lost my train of thought. Uh, sense of grandeur, you know, in, 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 in that way, they thought they were superior, so they believe any kind of lie. I said, sometimes the worst racists I've met in my life have been the, the dumbest people I've ever met. And when I say dumb, I mean unlearned unlearned, just ignorant people. And I'm like, just read a book. Just, I mean, start with the Bible, just read it for real and, and you'll see for yourself. But anyway, the other uh, philosophy that they uh, stood under was that, uh, you know, the, cur the curse of Ham. And I don't know why lately when I talk, I'll be doing this stuttering. So y'all bear with me uh, until I figure this thing out. <laughs> but anyway, the curse of Ham. You know, when Noah cursed his son for looking upon him and making fun of him, you know, then they say, okay, well, that's the black man. So anyway, just listening to the horrific evil that occurred during that season of time and how these people continue to grow and manifest and, and thrive in their environment. And how, you know, like I said, tying to today's topic, they were narcissists. They had no ability to empathize, sympathize, or even see the humanity in others. Amen. So, so you know, I don't know. That thing got me kind of fired up when I started thinking about that. I said, what? They did what to these people? And I knew, you know, I know we, we all know, but... But just when you hear these things, oh, my God, I mean, they're very specific uh, about 
the details around things that happened, but I won't go there because I got another assignment today. Maybe we'll talk about it. If somebody want to pick up that book, it's called White Too Long, White Too Long. Uh, a couple of years ago, maybe last year, maybe before around the pandemic, I tried to get us to get a little book club going on uh, to, to kind of talk about a couple of things. But uh, anyway, I get distracted easily. So we ain't going to talk about that. Y'all get the book. But I'm going to reference it a little bit today because it's, it's top of mind for me. Uh, and then on the other hand, uh, not that this is equivalent to that, but but it's just something that comes to mind as relevant when we talk about narcissism in the church. You know, I've experienced the black church all my life. I grew up, you know, in the church, even when I thought I was grown. <laughs> when God introduced me to the church around 14 years old, I gave my life to him at the age of 17 and continued to black to backslide. Uh, and, and do what I wanted to do. But nonetheless, I came up through the black church. And so I saw the uh, hierarchy that was built in the church. We are gods. We are, we are kings. We are to be served versus we are the servants to serve God's people. That is a demon of narcissism, and it is so rampant in the church. And so we don't understand. We think that, you know, we have a right. We have a right to be served. You know, it's, it's almost the same as that slave master. It's that same mentality as that slave master. We feel that we have a godly right because I'm a prophet, because I'm a bishop, I'm an apostle, uh, because I'm a teacher, because I'm an evangelist, because I can sing, because God has anointed me to preach or anointed me to intercede. Then you are to serve me. Come on, bring me some water. Carry my Bible, carry my bag. And, and we justify it. We justify it by the, the definition of an armor bearer. God is not pleased with this. He did not create humans to serve humans. Let me be very clear. He never said take dominion over man. He never gave Adam that responsibility. He never gave Adam that authority. And he never changed his mind about the role of man with man. Now, because of the sin of man, because of the state of man, God instituted judges and prophets and uh, uh, the fivefold ministry to lead and to cover, but never, ever, ever to enslave. Now, you say, well, prophetess, the Bible talks about slaves and talks about being good to your master. That was a, a, a social construct that was instituted as a result of man's sin. Had nothing to do with God's uh, order or governance in the earth. Had nothing to do with that. Because if you think about the relationship that God had with Adam and Adam had with God, there was no need there was no need because he wanted to have man here to take dominion over the earth. We didn't need an overseer, overseer in the garden. We didn't need somebody to, to lord over us. Amen. But because of the sin state of man, we created all of these social constructs that generation after generation we began to live 
And what we did was we turned it into something godly that was ungodly. I would propose to you that any place and any space that you see in the Word of God that talks about master versus slave, that master and slave relationship, that was not God's will. It was a state of the times. It was a state of the times. Amen. All right. So now that we can get past that. So in the church, you know, you find these ministries, you find these ministries and the family just cut up from the head down to the flow up, (laughs) you know, from the flow up to the head. Jacked up, horrible, black hearted people. No more compass, no more responsibility. And, and they're leading God's people generation after generation, and they are manipulating the people of God. They're stealing from God's people. They are taking away from God's people. They are manipulating them, and, and they are twisting the word of God just as bad, like I said, as those slave masters. They're just as bad, and they are hell-bound. They are hell-bound. Listen, let me tell you something. I would prefer that somebody come up to me and smack me with the truth than politely, politely cover me under a lie. Some of these ministers, some of these preachers, some of these pastors that are out here that are covering God's flock, they're going to hell because God knows the black hearted things that they're doing. I love a ministry and I will not say which one it was, but I love a ministry because the pastor was explaining to me his secession plan. And in his secession plan, in his mind, he wanted his son to take over the church as the next leader of the church. Well, hey, I, I knew what the son was doing. I knew, I knew, you know, he was not living godly. But nothing other than his DNA qualified him to take position. And this family saw the church as a revenue generator, as a way to continue their lifestyle. So just like you have a lawyer that goes, you know, takes their child into law so that they will have generations of lawyers in their family or doctors who take their children into uh, uh, medicine so that they can have generations of doctors or, you know, I, I can go down the list. It goes on and on. Teachers do it, you know, because we want to teach our our children what we know. Hey, I even do it because I try to tell my kids about IT has been so good to me financially when it comes to my family. But anyway, they do that with the church and they become so narcissistic in their way of thinking. They are unable to empathize with the congregants that are a part of their ministry. They cannot see the humanity in the people. And and it's so bad to where they really believe that they are entitled to manipulate, use, and abuse God's people. And any norm of of, of pride or, or respect or anything is only relegated to those who are within this set of who they feel are deserving, are entitled to be treated a certain way. All right, so I'm going to get off of that because I can go down a a huge path 
with that, like they say, a rabbit hole. But then you think about the family. You think about the family. They, you know, you have whole systems within a, a family, ecosystems of a family that is built on the foundation of narcissism. <laughs> I can only tell you about where I come from. We were, we were trained to believe we are the best of the best. We were trained to believe that nobody could do it like us. Nobody was better than us. And if you are outside of our unit, it's something uh, inferior about who you are because we are superior. <laughs> and, and it's funny about how family narcissism work because any and everything that anybody in the family do is accepted. It's okay. I mean, you can go, like uh, uh, Donald Trump, he said, I could go and I could shoot somebody in the face. They wouldn't do nothing to me. Family, the same way. We, we have an inability. It's a blind spot for us. We can't see the flaws of the people that we love because we see them through the love that we have for them. Doing all kinds of crazy stuff to folk, and we just be like, well, what they do to them? <laughs> I told y'all, and maybe uh, we're going to talk about it, but everybody is somewhere on the spectrum, somewhere, somewhere, because there is a self-serving part of us, self-serving, that causes us to go from, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, just the spectrum of, well, I'm going to preserve my sanity and, 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 and I'm going to do what's right for me to be in a full-fledged, full-blown narcissist. Can't think about nobody but yourself. So we got it in the church. We got it in the church. We got it in the um, uh, families. And so we also have it in the workplace. When I tell you corporate America is the most narcissistic, entitled, demonic uh, structure system that has ever been created, and this came out of the mind of man. See, we got to be careful with stuff that we align with that was built from uh, man's interpretation of right and wrong. Especially when it don't line up with the will of God. Y'all already know. Y'all already know that competitive, political, uh, all of that stuff <clears throat> that occurs in, in corporate America ain't, ain't nothing of God. God ain't got nothing to do with that. But we build our lives around it and we uh, act like it's something that is aligned with God's will. Mm -mm. No, it's demonic. It is demonic, that narcissistic, unempathetic, self-serving, demonic. Did I say that already? <laughs> In corporate America, I'm telling you, I, I got to the point even last week, I said, this thing, I mean, it, it, it just got me. I can't crack this nut. I can't put this puzzle together. I can't figure this thing out. You mean to tell me that, that this is the only means by which I can create a um, sustained lifestyle for my family through corporate America. And I'm not going to say only, I mean the, the best, <laughs> the quickest, the easiest in a sense. You know, because of course I can go out and try to do my own thing, you know, work, work my own company. I, I could do that. 
but I would have to sacrifice so many and our quality of life would shift dramatically. But you got it in the workplace. You got it in corporate America. This entitlement, this narcissistic, you know, we're better than you. We're, you know, competitive, all of this mess. I'm telling we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about it. But in all of these instances, in all of these instances, it is not of God. Let me be very clear that if you are operating in this, if you are a part of it, God is not pleased. And although we have to have an intellectual, moral, and a spiritual conviction to these facts, God wants to meet us where we are. He wants us to pull us out of this and turn us around. He wants our minds to be renewed. Listen, it's hard to change your mind. It's hard to change your mind, especially for things that since we were, you know, babes up until now, that we believed all of our lives. We believe these things all of our lives. God is saying, I'm taking the scales off. You know why? Because in order that you come through this narrow way, you've got to have truth. You've got to have truth. And I want you to understand it in a way that it will prompt change in how you operate. Because God is giving us a responsibility in the earth. And the end game is to do his will. That's that's all he wants. But we can't if we're so bound with this callous, narcissistic spirit leading us, all right? So where did I go? I talked about the spirit in the church. I talked about that that demon in the family. We talked about it in the workplace. It's even in our communities, in our nation. These these nationalists, sometimes, you know, we find it hard (coughs) to be empathetic with other countries. Yeah, Russia, Russia went over there and, 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 and bombed Ukraine. That ain't got nothing to do with us over here. <laughs> Monkeypox over there in Africa. That ain't got nothing to do with us over here. The inability to feel, experience, to, to be sensitive to the needs of others, we lack that because of that spirit of narcissism that keeps us bound. Remember, there are those of us who are on the spectrum, those of us who demonstrate the traits, and there are those of us who have a full-fledged disorder. God sent me here today to give you information that will help you intellectually, morally, and spiritually to turn, to turn. Listen, we continue to go uh, through our study as we're doing the chronological review of uh, of the Bible. We this week, I believe, we're going to talk about uh, Abraham. Uh, we're going to talk about the patriarchs. Now, get get caught up. Now, y'all go back and listen to some of those podcasts. I tried to be deliberate and um, labeling them Bible studies. So go back, look up all the ones of Bible study and get caught up to us because we need you. 
We need you to come in as we study together and God is laying the foundation so we all can learn from one another. Only uh, uh, prerequisite is that one, you have a desire and, and, and a will to learn, right? That you ain't coming just to corrupt and, and make everybody woke and, and, and try to argue the Bible. We ain't, we ain't going there. We don't need that. I ain't, I ain't accepting it. But also that you, you know, take the time to get in the word and, you know, study, study the scriptures that we're talking about. And for me, most of the time, that means getting into my uh, audible um, Bible and listening to the scriptures so that I understand the context. I told y'all, I like the message Bible. Sometimes I get into the King James or other translations, but I like the message because it makes the story come alive to me. In that sense, I think I'm getting 80 for 20. I'm going to get 80% of it. <laughs> the rest of it, I, you know, I got to get, get in there and do some real study. Amen. Meditating on his word, listening. God will give you uh, revelation and understanding if you just hear from him. But anyway, so we're studying the word of God. And as we continue in this study, it helps us to understand where this narcissistic demon shows up and tries to usurp the identity of God and God's people. God said, I made them in my image. And so it, there's no evil in God. There is no bad in God. There is nothing that but good and greatness in God. And so when the spirit of narcissism comes upon us, rooted in Baal, sometimes manifested as Jezebel, we'll get into that when we get that far in our scriptures. And I think I'm going to talk about it a little bit today through my notes. But we want to identify that as we continue to go through the word. How many of you know that the journey that God has taken us on is not just so we can learn the Bible, but so that we can live it? That's why I take the time when we go through these Bible studies, we start out. Sometimes we just we'll listen to the passages. We'll listen to the passages, uh, you know, because everybody ain't getting in a word. But it's important that you hear it. It's important that you meditate on it. And then we go into, I, I have a um, lesson plan and I, I have some study materials that help us along the way. Then we get into that. And I'm telling you, every uh, time that we do a study, God shows me something totally different that I never even knew. And I can't wait till we talk about it. But anyway... Why did I start going there? Because I want to invite you to participate with us on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Tuesday night, 7 p.m., we have prayer and we're praying. We're praying because we trust God. On Thursday nights, we're having Bible study. Bible study, continuing our, our review. And on Saturdays, we are having worship service, praise and worship as we continue to praise and worship God. And we're going to continue this cadence until we get our own uh, building. And I pray that when we have our grand opening, listen, y'all, 
This is my prayer. I want to have a mass uh, baptism and a mass wedding to the honor of God. These are two areas that I say, God, I want to serve your people in such a way that it impacts the long term of their lives. So anyway, you all continue to pray for me, but I'm going to take a little break and I'm going to come back because I want to dig deeper. I want to dig a little bit deeper into some of these things. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's get to it. Let's get back to it. I had to take a little break. Took me a little bit longer than I expected. I had to grab me something to drink. <laughs> and 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 the Holy Spirit is, is taking me in, in a little bit of a different direction. It took me about 40 minutes to get to where we are now. So I may break up these uh, recordings just so you know. But listen, listen, it is in your best interest to invest the time. Invest the time. Listen. Take the time to listen because God is is sending us a word, a rhema word for this season and this hour of our lives. But anyway, we're talking about the narcissist. We're talking about the narcissist. And before I took a brief break, uh, we talked about how we see it in the church, how we see it in uh, the, the ministries, right? We saw it uh, during the time of slavery. We see it in the form of entitlement and, and superiority and feeling as if we are masters who are worthy and deserving of slaves. Amen. We talked about how we see it in the family, you know, how we have these family constructs that are uh, situated and, and founded on uh, narcissism. We are the best and anybody outside of us are uh, the rest. <laughs> and therefore, we are to be served and our ideologies that we su- um, uh, submit to are superior. They are righteous. They are right, right? We come up with those ideals. Then we talked about uh, corporate America and how that demon just reigns there. I'm telling you, it's a, it, oof, that thing. It, it, it's something else. And then in our nation, you know, we talked about that and I said, I want to get dig a little bit deeper, right? Dig a little bit deeper and give you some uh, uh, formal definitions of, of what this demon is, um, you know, but I want to be clear. I want to be very clear that as we're going through this, God is not, he's not just taking us through this, like I said earlier, just just to take us through it, you know, so we can say, hey, give me my badge. I, I know the word. I've heard the word and, and I understand about this. No, no longer is that acceptable. These are things that we ought to apply to our lives. And if we are operating and functioning in this at any area, any level, any space or place in our lives, we got to get it corrected. And I say, and I believe that we must seek God for deliverance, but also there are some of us who are going to need uh, supplemental help, supplemental support uh, to help us to dig out of this because it's become such an ingrained part of who we are because of what we believe. Uh, and, and <clears throat> you know, we just been this way for so long. We need help to get out. And ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But we got to get back to God's identity. God's identity. He created us in his image. He created us in his image. And and, and I don't necessarily mean when, when we think about God's identity. I know a lot of people uh, reflect on the fruit of the spirit. 
but the fruit of the spirit are a byproduct and an outcome of the identity of God. We know God to be omniscient, omnipresent. He is a God that is good. He is a God that is great. And we want to reflect the identity of God. Amen. We want to know and understand what that identity is. Praise God. A lot of us don't even know. This is why we fall subject to uh, succumbing to the identity of man and the identity of Satan and the identity of the narcissist. And we think that that's who we are. But God sent me to come to you today and tell you, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, no, no. But God is the creator of spiritual ideals. And and he's the creator. He is the, the, um, what is the word I'm looking for? The the epicenter, the the nucleus of all things good, eternal, mature, immoral, immortal rather, not immoral. (laughs) Let me be clear, not immoral. But to know God's identity is to know who you are. Understanding that as a child of God, And it's being created in his image that we have the identity of God. And we talked a little bit about this earlier, about how people have stolen God's identity and used the pulpit as a conduit to manipulate the identity of God by misrepresenting who he is. We got to know who he is. We got to know who he is. God said when when he was asked who he was, he said, I am that I am. I'm telling you every time I hear that, (laughs) it does something for me. He said, I am the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, El. Come on now. He's so deep, he gave his name twice. He said, "I'm, I'm the biggest, baddest thing that ever was. I'm God. I'm God. God is a compassionate and gracious God. We talk an identity, y'all. He's a loving and faithful God. He's a forgiving and a just God. He is a God who has no beginning and a God who has no end. And when he created man in his image, he created us in such a way that we can live out the attributes of who he is by being compassionate, gracious, loving, faithful, patient, forgiving, just. And if we ain't walking in that, we're not living in his identity. First Corinthians, remember it told us about what love is. The Bible tells us that God is love. God is love. And I interpret that in a way that we understand that uh, man is human. 
That is our species. And I know that we can't contain, we can only contain God into our level of understanding. So if I was to correlate that, I would say man is to human as God is to love. So he's showing us all throughout the Bible his identity. Why is he doing that? Why is he doing that? Because sin crept in and we have to be shown externally to to recognize and acknowledge it internally. It used to be we knew it internally. It's something on the inside that causes us to to reach and to thrive and to, to desire to know God on the outside. But that's why he gave us his word. But in 2 Corinthians, it, it, it takes us into a clearer understanding of God's identity. It says love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not brag. Love is not proud. Love does not behave in, uh, itself inappropriately. Love does not seek its own way. Love is not provoked. It takes no account of evil, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 1 Corinthians 13. It helps you to see into God's identity. So when we are walking outside of the identity of who God is, then we need to course correct. And that spirit of the narcissist is not of God. It is not of God. Having the fruit of the spirit Having love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You're not going to get there if you don't understand the identity of God. And that's why we're having these types of talks and these types of, of conversations because God is looking for reformation. He's looking for us to reform our old minds into the new. We are new creations under Christ. And it doesn't happen through osmosis. Now, I'm not going to say we can't be delivered out of some stuff, but some things God wants us to slow down and to learn and to understand so that we have a reflection, a mirror by which we can reflect on. Amen. So we're going to talk about it. Like I said, I I see I went over longer than I expected to earlier. So nine times out of 10, I'm going to have to break this up a little bit so y'all can listen. But I would admonish you, take the time, invest the time. Listen to what God has given us because we got to turn, y'all. I'm telling you, we got to turn from this stuff. Get all this gunk out of us. I'm going to share this and then I'm going to get into what I wanted to talk about. I had been struggling 
uh, with with one of the contractors on the job, and he's a he's a older uh, Caucasian man. I, as a matter of fact, I believe he just turned sixty. He just turned sixty. So somebody do the math for me. I don't know what year he was born in, but he just turned sixty this year. And so, if you can understand, he comes from the era where women were not revered, you know, uh, uh, as leaders or respected as leaders, and especially not African Americans. <laughs> the poor was reflected poorly. So he comes from this. This this thing is embedded in who he is. His very psyche is framed from that and led by that. That's why a lot of times I tell people, I say, I say things in such a a matter of fact way, but I'm not judging you because in all actuality and reality, I feel sorry for you. I feel at a great advantage that God allowed me to come in the skin that I'm in because I don't have to suffer through some of the ignorance that you are locked and bound by that is sending you on a path to hell. Because we are not going to make it into heaven with hatred in our hearts. And I'm just being clear. I thank God in certain things. He said, look, baby, that ain't going to be a part of your testimony. You ain't going to have to worry about, you know, uh, uh, adultery and, you know, alcoholism, drug addiction, all of that stuff I ain't have to worry about. I thank God, but people who struggle with it, I'm not, I'm, I'm not judging you in the sense that, you know, I'm, I'm looking down on you. I judge the sin. The sin is going to get you in hell. That's just the reality. But I'm not thumbing my nose and saying I'm better than you because I don't deal with it. I just say I thank God that he didn't allow me to walk that path because I'd probably be the worst of the worst. And had I not had my life experience as an African-American woman, I would not, I may not have had the empathy, compassion, or love that I have for people in their diversity. See, it's not something I say because it sounds good. It's something I live. So anyway, back to this joker. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you, I am an irritant to him. I am, I am a thorn in his side. I am an axe in his head. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm something else because he cannot stand that I'm leading that project. And I, I'm the program manager, so I have the overall responsibility to govern and lead the initiative. But I'm telling you, everything I try to implement there, he is the very first person to come and try to sabotage and shut it down because he just cannot stand for me to say, hey, can you go this direction? Nope, uh-uh, he, he's not having it. And so much so I understood that it was a demonic presence that was, that was influencing him and how he related to me, which is why a lot of times ask God for discernment so that you know how to deal with these demonic attacks we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But these powers, these demonic demons that we deal with, we have to know how to deal with them or they will eat us alive. And guess what? Spiritual battles manifest in the flesh. This is why people die prematurely. This is why people murder. 
This is why the enemy kills, steals, and destroys because that thing manifests in the flesh. But anyway, he had been struggling with me and I'll try to make this shorter. But the other day, he and I had had a conversation because I had to um, meet with him with my manager uh, because he had become such a toxic influence in the project and what I was trying to do. He's he's one of those guys that he'll agree to something in public, but then he'll go and try to rally the troops to collude against you and to uh, what they call it, throw a, a coup, coup uh, or something against you, you know. <laughs> and so he tries to undercut or usurp my authority. And then he try to get everybody on his side and make a reasonable, you know, explanation for why folks shouldn't follow me. And of course, because they deal with their own biases. <laughs> it don't take too much convincing. But anyway, he and I had a, a, a conversation and I was very, very direct with him when we met with my manager. And I was very, uh, I wanted to be crisp and, and precise in certain areas of behavioral change that we needed to see. Because like I said, he just was derailing and sabotaging what we have to do. And we've already spent millions of dollars on this initiative and, and we will fail if we continue along the path that we're going. So anyway, uh, he and I had this tension amongst ourselves since that conversation. And so what he did was he decided to initiate a, a conversation with me and he shared that, you know, he, he had been going through some personal and professional challenges and, and that he was grateful that I spoke so directly with him about his behavior, his actions, and how they were impacting me. Because listen here, he said not only were those things impacting uh, people at work who work with him, but it also was impacting him in his personal home life. He said he had been clocking on his wife and, you know, seeing everything. He he, he broke it down. I'm telling you, I, I just wanted to just stop right there and have a deliverance service because I said, oh, demon, you you messed with the wrong one. You coming up out of him. Uh, but anyway, I wasn't led to do that. God didn't really say <laughs> what I'm telling you in my mind. I wanted to. Uh, but he began to just talk about how he, uh, he became obsessed with seeing the wrong in the things around him. And so through that obsession, he tried to control or bully or, you know, make people do things a certain way and use manipulative tactics. I'm telling you, this guy just started almost like he turned the running water on and he just started spewing it all out. And so he was sharing that he was going to take some action to try to correct it. He he said he's going to start seeing a, a, a counselor, a, a psychologist, and someone that can help him through some of these psychological challenges that he's having. And he said he invested in himself. He took a course on, on um, diversity and inclusion and biases so that he could better understand how to navigate through these things because he didn't understand it. And I told him, I said, you know, um, Sometimes stuff is not just because of a black and white or female or male. It, it, may, it may be a contributor, but sometimes things are just a systemic uh, culture 
of the subculture that you're used to um, thriving in. And when you have an adjutant to that structure, it is your nature to want to resist. And so when you start to resist, in me as an African-American woman, it, all I, I'm on the end of the you resisting and the poor behavior. So it doesn't matter to me if it's because I'm black or white or I'm new to the environment or any of that. It's just that I'm dealing with it. But nonetheless, he started to share with me. But he was incapable. He was incapable of seeing the human side of me during the time of the attack. He was incapable of empathizing with me as another human being. There was a sense of entitlement that said, who do you think you are? Coming in here and telling me what to do? Who do you think you are changing the way that we're doing things? Who do you think you are? Not on my watch. <laughs> I'm going to do everything I can to sabotage and make sure that you are not successful. I mean, even to the point these jokers started trying to go around me with each other. And they were trying to get power, backing, to knock me off of my position. I'm telling you, that's that corporate politics is so demonic. It is so demonic, and I will not participate in it. I won't do it. <laughs> I'd rather give it to you than fight you for it. Because what God has for me is for me. And I ain't got to fight nobody for nothing. But I will stand my ground. I don't get it twisted. But anyway, it, it was an, an experience that I had had with him. And I was I felt like it was very brave of him to share his experiences with me but I still he needs deliverance and I'm 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 very careful sorry y'all I had to get me a drink I'm very careful when people come to me with a sorry and an un, uh I'm not going to say unrepentive heart because repent re- repenting It's more than just being sorrowful for your actions. It means that you are turning from that behavior. So that's not necessarily what I mean. But if I haven't seen deliverance, when I know it's a a stronghold, it's a stronghold. And I guarantee you that he is impacted by that same entitled, superior thinking demon that perpetuated slavery here in the United States, that they feel that they are superior because of a God-given right. Because God created them to rule over the world and they relegate the African-American to that of chattel or cattle or being in unhuman or animal or something like that. Like, who do you think you are? So anyway, uh, why did I share that story? I shared that story to say that he made a conscious decision to want to make a change. 
Sometimes folk can't help themselves. <laughs> One thing about me, if you got isms, if it's sexism, racism, ism-isms, I don't care what the ism is, if you got isms, I'm going to irritate them. Because I don't walk like, talk like, think like, uh, look like who you think should be in the function or the authority by which God has called me to. And so it'll rub you the wrong way if you're struggling in those areas. I'm telling you, you better use me as a litmus test. (laughs) Let me be your GPS. (laughs) If I'm irritating you for no reason, and we know, we know, we run into people, we be like, dang, it's just something about them. I just don't like them because you de- you a demon. You, 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 you under the influence. You dealing with a stronghold because it's, anytime you don't like somebody for nothing, that nothing is something in the spirit realm. It's a demon. Get deliverance, seek deliverance. But I'm telling you one thing about me, you, you, you get close enough. I'm going to help you pull that demon out. It's coming out. And you would be good to take heed. Because what I shared with this man before he and I got off the call, I said, I do not know how long my assignment here will be. And and I'm an employee. I'm a permanent employee. I was hired on to the organization. But what I meant by that is God is the one who sends me. And I counted joy and I counted an honor and a privilege and I am grateful to God that he allows me to encounter people that he wants to draw uh uh he wants to um draw <laughs> I don't know why drudge was in my mind. <laughs> he wants to draw through his loving kindness. He wants to draw you. And his loving kindness says, look, I, I, know, I know my daughter. I can send her in there. She's going to uncover it. Now, when, when it gets uncovered, now you can see it. Seek God for deliverance. Because you cannot go to heaven with hatred in your heart. I want you to hear me and understand. Forget about unforgiveness. People get so twisted and so caught up and so... Uh, we just... Biblically illiterate, I'm gonna keep saying that. I want it to be, I want it to be offensive to drive you to uh, uh, action, drive you to action. We are biblically illiterate if we think that forgiveness is the key when it's hatred in our heart. I can tell you I forgive you. I can even treat you like I forgive you. But if hatred is in my heart, that's what's going to take me to hell. Forgiveness helps and allows me to thrive and interact and relate in the earth. But we're, we, we got the end game in mind. We're talking about eternity. And if you are hating people because of the color of their skin, the gender that they represent, Their personality. If you are hating people for these reasons, you are hell bound. 
It ain't no two ways about it. You are All right, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Had to take a little break. Got a call in from my sister, and she shared uh, uh, very sad news, very sad news that their cousin had passed away, um, that um, she had been going through some chronic health issues over the years, and she succumbed to them. Uh, earlier today, and my heart just goes out to the family. Uh, she's my uh, my husband and my sister. She is their um, first cousin, and so you know, I'm I'm just praying. I'm praying for the family. I know she had children and grandchildren, and she was a a present mother. She was there. She was a nurturing mother. She loved her children. She loved her family, and they were the focus of her life. So I am praying as I understand, I understand uh, now better than ever uh, the impact of the loss of someone so significant in your life. So we want to pray for them. We want to pray for uh, the grandbabies and pray for our children and pray for the entire family that they just rally around each other and and and, and do what needs to be done, uh, that she will um, be celebrated uh, as she transitioned uh, and and that the children and their children will be taken care of, that the family will uh, rally around them in the way that they should. Amen. All right. So, so let's, let's continue to talk about uh, narcissism. And I, I wanted to talk about it because I believe that it is something that in this season and in this hour, God wants us to correct. We got to get it together. We got to get it together. These things that are rooted in pride and ego, and we saw what it did to the enemy, right? All of these things that caused him to feel like he was better than God or that he should have more. He had a self-centered personality and it cost him. It cost him a lot, and he is yet paying. Amen. So God wants us to get this information. He wants us to learn and turn. He wants us to learn and turn. Amen. And so it is my assignment tonight to to do my best to try to break this thing down. So I'm just going to go into a little bit about uh, just to do an overview about uh, narcissism, and then I'm going to end this podcast, and then I'll go into part two so that we can talk about uh, more in-depth uh, topics and information. Amen? Amen? All right, so so in the helps um, industry, in the helps industry, that's where you have your psychologists and your life coaches and, and those who help us in a uh, mental, psychological, emotional way. So in the uh, uh, helps community or the psychological community, they identify narcissistic personality uh, disorder as um, having involved patterns of self-centeredness, arrogant thinking, and behavior a lack of 
empathy and consideration for other people and an excessive need for admiration, okay? So they tell us that narcissistic personality disorder involves a pattern of self-centered, arrogant thinking and behavior, a lack of empathy and consideration for other people and an excessive need for admiration. So if you recall, earlier I was saying that there is a spectrum. There is a spectrum. There's a low end and there is a high end of narcissism. And at the low end, you have, you know, just that self-centered, you know, want to take care of self. I'm going to put my needs before others. Um, you know, periodically, it's not a chronic thing. It's not a way of life. It's not core to your personality. And then you have the high end where there is a narcissistic personality disorder. Amen. And many of us at any given time can operate in the traits of a narcissist based on the definition. And I I said this before, I'm very careful with labels, but labels help us to articulate the thoughts that are in our mind. So I use them to that extent. But labels, when we try to confine the uh, personality or the description of another individual's personality, when we try to confine that into a label, there's so much missing and lacking. So I say uh, what I say in the right lens and right perspective that this is just a, a um, it is a portion of the character which dwells within the personality. So this is just like many of these uh, personality assessment tests that they do. <laughs> and they tell you, oh, well, you you are introvert or, or you are extrovert or, or, you know. And it's like, yeah, well, there, there are times that I am dominant in an introvert uh, capacity and I get drained when folks are around me. And there are times that I am dominant and as an extrovert, but that is not the whole of who I am. It may be one is more prominent in my day-to-day living versus the other. And the same thing with with uh, uh, the narcissistic trait. Now, when you start talking about the disorder, I believe that that can consume your personality to such a point that it becomes uh, kind of like the, the the base of who you are or, or, or what drives your behavior. So I'll say it that way. It's not who you are, but it's what drives uh, your behavior. And so they go on to describe some of the uh, attributes as cocky, manipulative, selfish, patronizing and demanding. And they classify their way of thinking and behaving uh, in, in such a way that it impacts every area 
of their life. So through the way that they view life, the way that they um, operate in life, it impacts every area of their daily living. Amen. From work to relationships to friendships to family to love, it impacts every area. Many of the narcissists who are struggling with narcissistic personality disorder are in love with an ideal, idealized uh, version of themselves. They have a grandiose image of who they are. They believe that they are bigger than life, and they think that everybody else reveres them as bigger than life. You ever met that person that when you talk to them, you know they rotten as a rotten to the core. <laughs> And they believe everybody loves them and likes everything about them because they're so great. They're superior in their thinking, their moral uh, capabilities, their psychological, you know, mental, you know, they just think they all that in the bag of chips. But you know, they rotten to the core. And see, many of them are not self-aware of the behaviors, but some are. Some narcissists are very much aware of the disorder that they function in. And some are smart enough to try to get help. Others don't even try. But from a psychological perspective, uh, they believe that when you are a narcissist, you just get perpetually worse. And so there's no uh, real medication that can help them. And, and typically, there's no ability for change. So once a narcissist, always a narcissist. I heard that about uh, pedophilia too uh, years ago, that once you have that drive and desire, you're, you'll never rid yourself of it. And so... They believe that that narcissistic disorder, I mean, you can take medication to manage your behavior, but as far as that that disorder, it's almost like the more you feed it and fuel it, uh, the worse it gets and you can never retract. You can never go backwards with it. And so I personally do not believe that because I believe that through God all things are possible. And because we are of his image, I believe that anything can be done with the help of Jesus if we would just submit ourselves to him. But when I think about narcissistic traits and how we are overly sensitive to the pains that we experience, overly sensitive to the offenses that occur in our lives, but we are desensitized when we are either the aggressor, the perpetrator, or someone we love, you know, is the aggressor, 
or the perpetrator, we become desensitized and that empathy is not there. So thus we are functioning in a narcissistic trait. Do y'all see where I'm going? We got to uproot this thing. We got we to gotta deal with it. And I don't mind taking my time with it. I don't mind taking my time. Because if you think about it, if you think about it, I was sharing the, the story about the guy on my job earlier. And it's not that I don't have empathy for him or, you know, sympathize with him. Uh, because I know that there are blind spots in my life that make it difficult for me to be who God has called me to be and and maintain my witness. So I I empathize with him, but I understand that we don't know everything. We don't know what people's uh, come from state is, what they endure throughout their life. We only see the output of their actions. And I say this all the time. God judges us from the intent of the heart, but man judges based on the output of our actions. So if we get caught up in that, we will not be empathetic. But many of these people that are narcissists, and I'm talking about those with the narcissistic um, uh, personality disorder, that it is, is sourced from or is rooted from Issues that come from their childhood. You know, those who grew up with emotional and 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 physical wounds. A lot of times, a lot of times, this is something to watch. A lot of times it's with those who have been sexually violated, either through incest, molestation, rape. A lot of times, one of one of the traits God showed me years ago as I intercede for people, God showed me that that callousness, that coldness, that inability to feel, that's that's a trait. That's a trait, having that narcissistic trait, that controlling spirit, because you want to control because you were out of control. You know. You're, you're, you're closed off and callous because feeling hurts. Having feelings hurt. And, and the other one is they talk, baby. They, I, I, listen, they make up some stories that are better than made for TV movies. They make up some grandiose stories. And that is a key. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, everybody who who does that has been messed with, but God uses that sometimes as a signal for me to know and understand what I'm dealing with so I know how to pray. But anyway, I'll give y'all that one so, so you can keep an eye out. But we, out of love are empathetic to them because we understand that the reason that you are here is not through circumstances that you created or caused on your own. And 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 on the flip side of that, even growing up in, in a loving home, some people have that personality because they're 
were lack there were there was a lack of um, constraints and guardrails, governance, and all of the things that help teach us discipline and standards and things like that, and we just get an air about ourselves that we feel entitled. But we have to understand that people who grow up under these unloving circumstances, they they start out by beginning to have negative thoughts that that brew as a result of their pain. And then those thoughts begin to intermingle with the enemy's suggestions. That's why it's, it's, it's dangerous. It's so dangerous to allow your pain to dictate your purpose. It's very dangerous. Now, I am of the belief, I'll tell you this, having good, healthy uh, boundaries makes a difference. And you don't have to sweep up under the rug pain that you actually feel. Because sometimes we're led to believe, well, this happened to you, so, you know, God going to take care of it. So, you know, that's the beginning and end of it. You don't have no emotions behind it. No, baby, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. It takes me a minute to process it. But the thing is, you don't want to sit in it. You don't want to marinate in it. Sometimes stuff, I mean, horrible stuff happened to me. And I have to just, (laughs) I got to pull out a technique that I used to teach my um, uh, clients when I was doing life coaching A technique that I would teach them is how to drop into your feelings, but you got to pull out of them. You got to drop so deep into it that you feel every uh, element of that emotion. Because that's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. God gave us emotions as indicators. The enemy is the one who turned them around and manipulated it into seeming like something negative. But it's a good thing. You got to drop all the way into it. Experience the emotions. Experience how you feel so that you know what areas need to be tuned. And then you got to pull out. Because if you don't, you're going to intermingle your pain with the enemy's words and the uh, uh, manipulation that he plays in your mind. And it will lead you to other areas of sin, condemnation, and it will lead you to a state and a place where you just shut down God. And no longer give him room or opportunity to heal you through those situations. It's hard when you have a righteous reason to be angry or upset. It's hard to pull out of that. It's hard, but I'm telling you, I I won't even let my mind dwell on 
the issue. Now, I'll think enough about it to process a way to handle it or deal with it. But when the thoughts start to just dwell on what a person has done to me and how angry that makes me feel, I'm telling you, I'll drop into it and pull right back out because the danger is you you linger in there too long. You don't want to retaliate or, you know, just, just it's not even healthy to do that. The, the unhealthy stress that it does to your body as you allow these things to enter in. Those are the things that allow your heart to become callous because you, you know, you're stressing yourself out. You're wearing yourself out like, you know, elastic that is that is pulled or stretched too far. <laughs> Once you let it go, it's all crinkly and wrinkly and no longer has its elasticity. This is what the enemy wants to do to your mind. He wants to do that to our minds so that when he wants to come in and plant or root the stronghold of narcissism, which is open to receive it. Because we become justified in our actions because of the pain that was perpetuated against us. We have to be very, very careful. We have to be careful. And and some, some dealt with physical, you know, emotional abandonment, neglect. All of these things are contributors. But we have to be very, very careful because if we're not and you start dwelling in that place of narcissism, the enemy will trick you enough to think that you should be here, you will lose the ability to feel. A lot of times, uh, people who struggle with narcissism, they are um, typically sexually uh, selfish. They could be very promiscuous and they use their body for gain. They could be jealous and demanding, prideful and arrogant. And the funny thing about it is those, they're oftentimes drawn to the church and and, and to psychology, to the helps industry. You know why? Because they can find their prey in those areas so that they can continue to wound others. A few spiritual components that we're going to break down uh, later when I come back for, for part two, I pray I don't forget <laughs> But that spirit of Jezebel, Jezebel was was the example of a narcissist. She had no feeling, no, no, no empathy, nothing. She felt that she was bigger and better and better than everybody. 
She, she was a manipulator. She used her body. She used the fear of her husband, her cunningness, to manipulate and to conquer. And then that spirit of Leviathan, we got to talk about that. But that narcissistic spirit, that narcissistic personality disorder, the narcissistic stronghold, it is a saboteur. It comes to sabotage. And it wants to destroy and stop the flow of the Holy Spirit and God's people in the churches, in the lives that we live. And believe it or not, and this is part way <laughs> why I feel like God assigned me to do this. But that demon, it comes mainly for the prophet, the prophetic. Because it wants to shut down progress. Anything that is true, it wants to shut it down. And I'm telling you that the one thing uh, that the one thing that um, God has shown me is how them demons will come after me and they will use people around me to come for me. And so what I had to realize, even in my own walk, demonstrating my own struggles with uh, these traits of narcissism, is that I had to first take an introspective look of who Dawn was. I had to then decide that I don't want nothing in me that is not of God. I love what God loves, and I hate what God hates. And in knowing that the enemy uses and leverages our pain as a tool, he weaponizes our pain as an instrument and tool to keep us stagnant in our growth in Christ. He uses the things that have been done against us to keep us stuck in a place of immobility. And so what the Holy Spirit did for me was he showed me you have got to forgive. You got to forgive. And forgiveness does not come in the form of how many people see it. I'm going to share this testimony real quick. And then, like I said, I got to, I think I've given you enough to, to kind of lay the foundation and then we can, we can get into it um, a, a little bit more. But over the last year or so, I found myself in a situation where I was very much wounded by someone who I've allowed 
over the years to perpetuate pain into my marriage, into my home, my family. And I believe that it is rooted from their envy of me. I I really believe that this person struggles uh, with a stronghold of envy, um, very insecure. Um, But anyway, they had done something that I felt what had crossed the line to the point that I said, uh-uh, I'll probably never deal with you ever again. Well, there was a situation that occurred, and I felt that someone had betrayed me and was disloyal and allowed this person entry into my inner circle where I had set a boundary to not have that person ever within close proximity. And so when this incident had occurred, I was hurt. I was genuinely hurt because I felt like the person who did it knew and understood the pain that I had gone through because we cried together, (laughs) you know. And so when the act occurred, I thought that it was a very deliberate act, almost like, you know, hey, I love you, but your pain is secondary to my goal. And I felt like, wow, having experienced all that I have gone through in my life, which many people don't know all of what I've experienced. You, someone that I trust, I'm talking about unrestricted trusted, you know, could do that. And I was so hurt. And so when I found out about the offense, and I'm going to call it an offense because I don't want to give too many details, but that's the best definition or description that comes to mind. But when I found out about it, I was thrown off because I never thought that it could happen, but I was thrown off and I reacted. And in my reaction... I created a scenario or a situation where this person was hurt as well. So it was never my intention to take my pain to hurt others because I know how intense my pain is. I don't want anybody to feel like I felt. I felt horrible. I'm telling you, I felt horrible. And even as we were talking through the situation and even as, you know, I was hurt and it it wasn't even, I was, I don't think I ever felt a sense of anger. And this is how I know when I'm really, really hurt, because if I get mad about something, I can find, you know, ways to be like, okay, whatever. (laughs) I could care less. But when I'm hurt, hurt, anger doesn't even creep into my emotional toolbox. It's just pain and sorrow. And I was so hurt. But when I saw that this individual was hurt, it kind of pushed me back because I loved them. I mean, I really loved them. 
And the things that have happened to me, while they are real, I can't go back in time and change them. I know that this individual loves me. So as we were speaking, I could hear the Lord say, clean it up. He said, clean it up. Now that I got a little frustrated with, not with God, but just what I heard. Oh, Lord. Clean it up. And so in cleaning it up, I understood that I would have to extend to those who have hurt me. An olive branch in a sense to say, listen, I forgive you. I pray that you forgive me and we're going to let God deal with the rest. And so I sent that message, not just to the person that was directly involved in this situation, but I also sent it to others that I love and, and, and care about. And it's funny because one, one reaction that I got, the person don't even know I know. Because I, I found it funny that they reacted in that way but didn't share that perspective with me directly. They wanted a, an audience. And so while I was okay with it, <coughs> I still had to empathize with that person because I understand that they struggle with narcissism. They struggle. It, they are incapable of having an emotion of empathy towards me. And this is for both of the individuals. They cannot, it's, it's impossible. They feel entitled to do the bad things that they do. And they feel like they do me a favor when they treat me with love and respect. It's a privilege for them to do that versus an obligation that God has given us one to another. To love our neighbors as we love ourselves and to give that respect. So anyway... I had to forgive all those who have hurt me in my past because I knew and I understood that harboring that hurt could create bitterness and anger against not just them, but it will begin to fester and manifest and become a part of who I am. And it also gives the enemy legal right to continue to manipulate our minds and continue to deal with things. And I said, look, I'm going to let it go because I almost sacrificed a relationship that me and this individual both worked towards having. We put in the work. And in that moment, I was ready. I was like, <laughs> because you got to be very careful. You better be, you got to be careful if you're in proximity to me or in the inner circle because trust and believe. And I'm not saying that I'm all that or nothing, 
I'm just saying I know the call that is on my life and the enemy wants to destroy me. And he will do it from the inside out. That's why we got to stay prayed up. We got to have keen discernment. Because otherwise, the enemy will use us as targets and weapons against one another whenever we fall off. I'm telling you, he is unrelenting. That's why we got to be the same way. But just like I had to forgive, I still got them boundaries and I'm going to love you from afar. The same with these who are struggling with the narcissistic disorder where psychologists, psychiatrists, it only makes sense to go to them because they done told you. Ain't nothing we can do. We done did all we could do. We'll listen to you. But ain't no medicine for you. Ain't no cure for for you. So all you got love is deliverance. Now, I'm sticking to my first word. You still need that supplemental support. But baby, you need deliverance. And just like I had to forgive, we have to forgive. Everybody who have heard, because what happens when we fail to forgive, and I mean really forgive, and forgive doesn't mean by anyone else's standards. But when we fail to forgive, a spirit of pride begins to take root. That Leviathan spirit, that demon that comes to just squeeze you out, suffocate you. Pride is sourced in uh, uh, narcissism. It's at the core. It's at the base of it. And so we have to be very careful. As we seek God for deliverance, that spirit of Leviathan, it, it wraps around the spine of his prey. And it twists and it goes around and around, causing them to lose control and and lose their breath. And it begins to circle around the back and the neck and, and, and cause all sorts of pains. Listen. I'm not saying that these chronic decisions, uh, uh, not decisions, but chronic um, medical situations that we deal with are, are spirit only. But sometimes when we have that back and neck pain and headaches and insomnia, fibromyalgia, some cancers, bipolar, it's that spirit of Leviathan. And once that spirit is gone, those symptoms will be removed. We have to seek God's anointing. 
to be set apart and set aside for his purpose and seek him out for deliverance that this spirit will not consume us. Release it. Let go and let God have his way. Now, God is giving you an opportunity to turn from these things, to allow him to take full reign and control over your situation and your circumstances, to release the spirit of of narcissism, to seek him for deliverance, and to ask him to set you free. Listen, let me be clear. It is oxymoronic to believe that a narcissist is going to make it into heaven. Without repentance in your heart, confession of your faith, you're not going to make it. So I'm so grateful to God that he has exposed these things to us so that we can deal with them, take care of them, and keep it moving. We got work to do. Well, I'm going to end right here, but we're going to talk more about it. I got more material that I want to review. And so we're going to get to it, all right? Well, I love you all, and I may uh, continue this in the morning because it's about 11.30 p.m. at night, and I think I've been up since 5 this morning. I'm not sure that I took a nap today. (laughs) So we're going to finish this tomorrow. All right, I love you all, and we're going to pray. Trust me. We're going to get to it. Love you. Bye-bye.